Yes! All right, here we go. Open up your Bible to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Uh, I'm going to read my passage first here, and I got, I got a lot to say today. So I'm excited to, to be preaching here. I'm really going to preach about thriving. You know, I'm really going to preach about thriving, and the message title today is Fully Alive. And I truly believe that God is planning a church here, a people here that aren't just, as Pastor Dave says, surviving, but you truly are thriving. And I, I, I felt like this is where God wanted me to speak on today because you know what? Sometimes you can attend a church called Thrive, but you might not be thriving yourself. You know, sometimes you can want to invite other people to thrive, but maybe you don't feel it at home or you're, you're struggling yourself. So I want to start in the passage here. I got a lot to say. Uh, let's start in John chapter 10. Let's look in verse number 1. John 10 verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. So he's talking about these sheep following the good shepherd, right? This is us following Christ. In verse 7 he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. And here's this verse you've probably heard several times. The thief... Cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. I, I really was excited when Pastor Dave came and shared with me the name of this church. Thrive Church. It has so much meaning to the name. It means that in our lives, we're more than just getting by, okay? We're more than just, just kind of skirting through, just getting through. It means that it's more than just barely making it. It tells us that there's a way in life to have something more, to have something better. Don't those words sound great to you? Yep. More, better. Does anyone uh, just, we love the sound of that word, you know, we, we would love to say we have a thriving church. Wouldn't it? It's going to be awesome when we see this place packed out, when you guys end up getting a building one day. And you know what? Church doesn't start the day you get a building. Church starts now, okay? Now's the time to invite. Now's the time to, to do what God's called you to do. We need thriving churches. We, we need thriving marriages. These are things that we want, that we need. Man, I, I, I love my kids so much, and I want to see my kids... Thriving, right? You don't want to see them uh, just kind of healthy. Oh, you don't want to see them, oh, they're kind of obedient. No, we want kids that, are, that love God and they're respectful and they, we want to raise them right. We want thriving communities. Life is better when you're living the thrive life, right? Isn't that the slogan? 
Uh, all right, does anybody here love to travel? Love to travel? Okay. Uh, I will endorse today, and I, I advise all of you to take a vacation this year, okay? That's my preaching advice today. Take a vacation. Vacation is one of our favorite things to do. Uh, we love to travel. Uh, it's, it's something, when, when we think about vacation, for us, it's like, I don't ever want to go to the same place that I went before. Uh, we found an awesome place last year. We went to this place called Port St. Joe, Florida, and we loved it. And we talked about going back, but I just can't make myself go back to somewhere I've been before because I love to experience something new. Uh, I love that about, about vacation. It's like you like, you know, something I've never, never seen before. I want to go to a new city. I want to experience something new. Well, uh, three, about three years ago, we had an opportunity to take a cruise. I recommend it to all of you. Take a cruise. If you have the opportunity, sell stuff, you know, do whatever you need to do, but take a cruise. We got to take a cruise. And when I, when I kind of plan things, I, I usually, it's like a go big or go home kind of mentality. Um, we, I saw that there was this, I saw a news article and there was this new ship that was sailing. They said it was the largest ship in the world. It kind of sounds like the Titanic. Um, but I was determined that we were going to be on that ship and this largest ship in the world was sailing uh, from the Mediterranean first because it was built in France. And I thought, I'm going to be on that big ship and I'm going to sail in the Mediterranean. And we were so excited about it. And so much so, I, I remember I was sitting at my favorite restaurant on my birthday all by myself. This sounds terrible. <laughs> she was out of town. I was, at, I was at this restaurant. So I FaceTimed one of my best friends from college. And I said, hey, I got an idea. What we need to do is we need to book this trip not tell our wives about it, and then surprise them with this cruise to the Mediterranean on the largest ship ever. And he's a good friend because he said, yes, let's do it. And uh, it so to me, it's like, yeah, we're doing new things, right? And uh, so we took this vacation of a lifetime. We cruised on the largest ship in the world, the Royal Caribbean Symphony of the Seas. And uh, it so many new memories. We saw places we never been to before. We did things we never did before. But there's one memory I truly remember uh, I just won't forget, okay? Um, so, you know, when it, it was something that we were doing that my friend wanted to do that really kind of stretched me out of my comfort zone. And it's really when you, like, get outside of your comfort zone that you feel, like, fully alive. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you just experienced the, the whole width of the breadth and all this, like the excitement is like, what's happening here? So he had this grand idea that when we went to Rome, that we were going to rent Vespas. You know what a Vespa is, right? Okay, so we rented a red Vespa and a yellow Vespa. We were, we, we were the yellow one, uh, and they were the red one, and we called ourselves ketchup and mustard. On the, uh, on the, so, we're, so we got this idea. Now, I am not good. Anything that only has two wheels, not safe for me to, not safe for me to do. I don't, I don't, I don't ride motorcycles. Um, I used to have a four-wheeler, but they had four wheels, and you, know, you can't knock it over. So we start, we get on these Vespas, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm just praying that we can live. And um, we leave the little Vespa shop and ride down the little cobblestone street. And the first turn left that there is, oncoming, is this big black uh, Mercedes tour van thing. And it's turning right, and I'm turning left. I don't know how to stop. 
I didn't know how to stop the Vespa. I just, I was so excited. And so uh, we crashed into the Mercedes van right there. I mean, not even 50 yards from the place where we rented it. And I was like, I just owned it. I threw up my arms out. What? Like, what are you doing? Uh, at the guy driving the van. And he looked at me like, what? What are you doing? And uh, it, was, it was crazy. And we were there in Rome living up. And I just, at that point in, in your mind, I had a decision to make. I either was going to say, I need to turn this thing around because I'm going to die. Or it was like, Let's see what happens, you know, and uh, it was a let's see what happened kind of day. And we spent the whole day like cruising around Rome. I don't know how we made it. I don't know how we lived. We were like laughing our heads off, weaving in and out of traffic. And it was like, so that's what, when you see this like surfer guy, I'm not, I can't do that. I, I don't even know that I could stand on a surfboard, but that's the picture that I see of being fully alive. In my mind, it was this. What are we doing? We feel like we're going to die, but it's awesome. And uh, we're just laughing. It was vacation for me provides this opportunity just to just live, right? Listen, I wonder what fully alive looks like in your mind. Now, we don't all get to go on vacation every day, right? Have you ever have dreams like these YouTubers. Wouldn't it be cool to, we could all be YouTubers and just travel the world forever, right? Um, that's not real life, okay? Uh, we don't all get to just travel, but, you know, we don't live on vacation, but what does fully alive really look like? You know, I, I don't think it looks like living constantly stressed out. I, I don't think it looks like being anxious or, you know, we, 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 we have this picture of fully alive. God, what would it be if I just lived the way you said uh, abundantly? It doesn't look like we're trapped in a particular sin or addiction. It doesn't look like we're constantly fighting at home. It doesn't look like constant relationship stress and turmoil. It surely doesn't look like struggling to pay your bills all the time. It doesn't look like constantly being worried, feeling undervalued, being overworked. And it surely isn't a life that you just don't know why you're here or your purpose. So here's what I want to do for the next few minutes. I just want to take a few minutes and I want to talk about what does God want for us when it comes to being fully alive. Because the Bible says that Jesus came to give us life. And he came to give us life more abundantly. God wants you to live life to its fullest. And Jesus came so you could live fully alive. There was a Christian apologist, uh, one of those old philosopher type guys, and he said this, the glory of God is man fully alive. The glory of God is man fully alive. There's something in God that, that he looks at us as his creation. He says, listen, I set this thing up in a certain way. I created the world in a certain way. And I gave you some rules to live by. I've given you a way in which you can find answers to where you don't have to be living kind of a halfway life. You don't have to be living a less than life, but you can live fully alive. Uh, th this verse in John 10.10, 10, let me read it again. The Bible says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. See, the truth is Jesus is a good shepherd. He's the best shepherd. 
He's the shepherd. He says he lays down his life for his sheep. You are his sheep if you know Christ is your Savior. But there is an enemy that you have. He's out here in Dublin too. He, he, he's all around where you're at. And he is, uh, this is Satan who we're talking about. And that enemy is working real hard to steal from you, to kill, and destroy your life. He is trying to mess up your future. He's trying to take away the joy of your life and your kids. He is trying to make sure that Thrive Church is trying to survive and not thrive. You follow me? He is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has made a way for you to have life and live it more abundantly. I love the word abundant. Yeah, that word abundant means, uh, it's actually this idea of being super abounding, superior or excessive. This is so good, it just can't get any better. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's I, uh, I should not quote politics. I'm not going to say anything political. I was thinking, about, I'm going to say it. I just brought it up. It was like when Trump always said, you're going to be sick of winning, right? Uh, listen. This is not a Trumpism. This is not a political thing. This is Jesus Christ, the one who created you, says, I have a way where your life can be super abounding, where your life can be better than you think it can be. If you today are feeling stuck, if you feel like, I just can't get over this obstacle, I'm telling you, that's not what God wants for you. And, and this is so awesome because this is a message that's easy to share. When you talk about growing a church and you talk about going out in the community, you talk about inviting people, you're not inviting people just to a thing you do on Sundays in the library. You're inviting people to enter a relationship with a God that says, I'm going to help you overcome all the things that Satan is stealing from you, all the things in your life that are killing you and that are destroying you, and I'm going to give you life. I'm going to give it to you more abundantly. So how can we live Fully alive. There's three things you need to do. Three things to do. These are such easy points, okay? I've got easy points for you. How to be fully alive, point number one, is be holy. Be holy. The Bible says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. In 1 Peter 5.8, the Bible reminds us and tells us a little more about this thief. The Bible says, Be Sober means be serious, be watchful, be aware, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, Satan is real. And he has this terrible influence on the world. I mean, it goes everywhere. From Disney Plus, to Facebook, to the school your kids are at, to the friends that you spend time with to the newspaper, to the TV shows you watch. Satan is influencing everything. And he's, he's, he's got these sinful, evil influences, and it's, it's swaying your decision-making. It's trying to capture your thoughts and your mind, and it's trying to affect how you think. It's trying to affect how your kids think. And the Bible says it's trying to conform us to this present world. Well, this present world and those things that Satan is trying to conform us to are stealing from us, killing us, and destroying us. 
See, the Bible calls, you, calls us as, as God's sheep, as His children, to be holy. We've got to determine that we are not going to live according to the world. The Bible said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen, um, one of the things that we, we deal with on a daily basis, my, my family, uh, I didn't have examples of what it looked like to live a biblical life. You say, what is a biblical life? It's where what you read in the Bible actually shows up in your day to day, you know? Um, and I didn't have that as an example. And you maybe not have had that either. But that doesn't give us an excuse to be conformed. What we have to do is we have to constantly be reading God's Word. We have to constantly be learning God's Word. And we have to decide that this is going to be something that's going to shape my thinking. It's going to transform my mind. It's when the Bible says, talks about being honest and not lying, or the Bible talks about lust, and, and, and the Bible talks about morality. We don't come to the Bible and say, I don't like that. or I don't. We, say, we come to the Bible and say, God, what do you say, and how does that change me? God, I'm going to change my thinking, and it's going to change my action. And that is what being holy is all about. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, um, the Bible says, Be, uh, sorry, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. That word holy means consecrated. It means set apart. Uh, it means sacred. It means that you have decided that I am not going to be in that crowd. I'm not going to be part of that stuff. That stuff being sin, the world, the flesh, the devil, all that that's, that's trying to take you away from God and His Word. Okay, uh, Those are the things that are stealing, killing, and destroying you and your family. He says, I'm going to be holy because God is holy. God gives Christians, God gives Thrive Church a Bible. This is a Bible. And this is the book that this place is founded upon. This is, you read this, this is what should define this church. This is what should define your family. This is what should define what you do. It's in this book. Then this is the book that sets us apart from the world. You say, why are Christians different? We're not different because we have something to go to on Sundays. Other people have something to go to on Sundays. We're not different because we have habits. Okay? Everybody has habits. We're different because we are following and believing this book and the God that gave us this book. This is what makes us different. It's what makes you distinct and unique. It's what helps us to thrive. You have to recognize that you have an enemy and you have to decide that I'm going to be holy. Okay? Have you decided, God, I will be holy as you are holy? See, Christians, by our nature, uh, we, we have this new nature in us that is to uh, abstain from sin. We, we, we don't entertain sin. We don't entertain ourselves with sin. We, we don't participate in sin. If God calls it sin, we consecrate ourselves away from that sin. Because the Bible says, when lust has conceived, in James 1.15, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The way the thief is coming to steal, kill, and destroy is he's trying to cause you to let a little bit of sin in. He's trying to cause you, just, just let me in a little tiny bit. Just whether it's in your entertainment or it's in uh, your music or it's, it's in what your kids are watching or what you're reading, whatever it is. Satan just wants a little bit. He just wants a little place in 
And then he's going to allow that lust to conceive, to form in your mind. It's going to bring forth sin. And that sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Be holy. That means consecrated and set apart because the thief is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, there's two halves to this verse here. There's this half where he says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I say, I don't want none of that, okay? Please keep that away from my life. Then we have some things we can do. But there's, a, there's really only one thing that makes the switch from having Satan steal, kill, and destroy in your family, in your life, in your marriage, to what God says here, uh, how we can uh, have life and have it more abundantly. And it's point number two. Be humble. Be humble. I, I read in a book recently, it's one of the coolest ways I've ever heard this put. He said, dare to be a sinner. Dare to be a sinner. Why would we dare to be a sinner? Because when you admit you're a sinner, you're humbling yourself. We try so hard to act like we're not sinners. That is what we are. We are sinners. It's, it's just simply admitting reality. Daring to be a sinner. Scripture is clear that the change between a life in the flesh, a life that's stolen by the enemy, and a life lived fully alive for Jesus is found in humility. Uh, when we humble ourselves, it's how you get from surviving to thriving, okay? Humility is the key. In James 4, 7, the Bible says this, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You want the devil to flee from you? It requires submission. Submission to God. Submission to His Word. A humbling of yourself. In James 4.10, the Bible continues and goes on and says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. Listen, if you want God to lift you up, if you want Him to lift you up out of your sin, if you want Him to lift you up out of your bad habits, if you want Him to lift this church up and see this church grow, it first comes by us going down, humbling ourselves. We humble ourselves in His sight and He lifts us up. Humility is grounded in the understanding that we are sinners. And we ought to dare to be a sinner because there's, there's really a lot of good that comes from you admitting your sinfulness. You ever think about that? You know, often we say, I don't want anybody to know I'm a sinner. I don't want anybody to know about that sin. Well, every single one of you in here has sin, okay? You're all a bunch of wicked sinners, all right? So am I. That's the place we find ourselves in Scripture. There's none righteous, no, not one. That's the truth we have. We can identify with every single person in Dublin. The fact that we all have the same common issue. It's sin in our lives. The good thing about being a sinner is that God loves sinners. Jesus died for sinners. Jesus loves us even when we fail. Jesus loves us when we let Him down. See, it's crazy that God's like favorite thing to do, this whole mission He set the church on, is to love and go after sinners. Like, if you want everything that God is working for, you best just admit, God, I need help. I'm a sinner. I am a sinner. I'm what you say I am. There's none righteous, no, not one. In Mark chapter 2, verse 17, we get a neat perspective here. Uh, the Bible says, uh, when Jesus heard it, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners 
to repentance. So I ask you today, do you know that you're sick? If, if Satan has been oppressing your life, if there's something going on in your home, if there's something going on in your mind, if you're anxious, all these things that God doesn't want for you, you've got to be able to admit, I need a doctor. I, I got a problem. I, I need help. Because if you can't admit you need help, you can't get help, okay? And you got to realize Jesus said that those that are whole, they don't need a physician. See, there were some self-righteous people back in Jesus' day, and they thought everything was okay. They knew how to do what to do, and they knew all the right things, and they followed the rules. And they said, I'm good. I don't need any help. Well, Jesus said, I'm come to call the sinners to repentance. I'm here for the ones that know they need help. And you know what? If you're here and you need some help, you're going to have to first start by saying and willing to admit to God, and then maybe even admit to somebody else, I need some help. If you need help in your family, if you need help in your finances, if you need help in your relationship with God, you say, there's sin that's between me and God. I don't know how to get it right. I'm, I'm stuck in a habit or an addiction. You've got to realize you've got to ask for help. And you, if you submit yourself to God, you humble yourself. The Bible says, if you do that, you resist the devil. He will flee from you. Dare to be a sinner. Humble yourself. John 3.16, I was excited to preach John 3.16 at Thrive Church, just so you know. This is a famous verse. This is church plant. you gotta, you got to base this on the right stuff here. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You have this message to share. You have this great truth to proclaim. Some of y'all have sat on it for a long time at fellowship or you've just existed in the, what, what was shared in the past. You are here in this place because God wants to use you here and you've got to take this message out to those who need it. But as you're taking it out to those who need it, don't forget that you need it too. Maybe you're in here today and you say, I, I don't really have the relationship with God that I need to have. Dare today to be a sinner. Be willing to admit that you have sin, that you need a Savior. The Bible says Jesus came, He died on that cross, He was buried. We're about to celebrate in two weeks the fact that He rose from the dead. And what He, what he promises is that any sinner, anybody with an issue, anybody with a problem, he, when they come to Him humbly, He'll forgive them. He'll give them a completely new life. He takes them from a life where everything's getting stolen, from the devil. Everything's getting taken from them to a life where they're thriving, to where they're living fully alive in Christ. Be humble. Dare to be a sinner. And I want to move to this last part of the verse. We, we read, The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Listen to this. Jesus says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Once you get past and you've decided to be holy and you've humbled yourself before God, you're in this great spot. And the last point here is this, be hungry. We've got be holy, be humble, be hungry. Listen, there is this relationship with God that you have an opportunity to have. And I'm, I just want to encourage you today, seek after God with all your heart. If you're going to live fully alive, you must be hungry and eager to seek after the one who gives you life. 
Um, listen to this verse in Galatians 2.20. The Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In Matthew chapter 6, the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, Jesus said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, if we're, we're to be hungry, we're, we're hungering and thirsting after righteousness. That doesn't mean you're hunger, hungering and thirsting to just constantly do this list of right deeds. That's not what it's talking about. It's the one that you're seeking, the one who is righteous. All this is not about rules, okay? You say, I, I want to thrive. I, I want to be fully alive. And, and I, I just want to experience all God has for me. It's not about keeping rules. It's not about, God, I'm just, I got to do it all right. No, no. It's about pursuing the one who already did it all right. Okay. There's somebody that's perfect and it ain't you and it's not me. And he did everything right. And all we have to do is seek after him. It's why he said in John chapter six, verse 35 said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Jesus came so that you could live fully alive. He said, I'm come that you might have life. You might have it more abundantly. See, it's all about hungering for him, time with him, what he has to offer you, the work that he's doing in you and through you. I wonder, has anyone in here lost their hunger for God? See, if you are going to experience what God has for you, it's not enough just to get the bad stuff out. It's not enough just to say, God, I'm a sinner. No, no. It's When you get that bad stuff out, when you, when you say, God, I'm not part of that anymore. I, I want away from that. I want that out of my life. God, I'm going to humble myself before you. You've got to hard pursue with initiative and drive after Christ. He's got something for you. He, listen, every one of you here have a role and a spot that you can fulfill in this church in Dublin. He has gifts that he's given you. He's got circumstances that he's placed in your life. He's got skills that he taught you that nobody else in here has. And he wants you to use those things for him. He wants you to pursue him. You've got to be asking, God, what do you want from me? God, I want everything. Give me a full life in Christ. What is life? Talk about living fully alive. I truly believe that our life, as short as it is, the Bible says life is a vapor, right? It appears for a little time and vanishes away. Uh, you know, I heard one time that uh, age isn't really a good indicator uh, of, uh, of uh, well, you're, you're like your age. Say, I'm, I'm 34. Isn't that so young, Victor? So young, so young. <laughs> 34. Ah, somebody tried to tell me that 34 is mid-30s. No way. Mid is 5, okay? 35, I'm not in my mid-30s yet, okay? Listen, your age isn't really a good determining factor of the amount of life you have left or how old you are. It's really the fact that the Bible says there's a day. It's a point out of men once to die and after this the judgment. See, whether you're 15, 16, or whether you're 34, it depends on how, much, how many days you have left. It's, it's on that day, the appointment that God has for you. 
And life is so short, we, we don't know. It's, it's an indeterminable amount of time. We just don't know. But I believe that life is the most precious gift that we have. You only have this one life, right? Don't live your one single life. You don't get a do-over at the end of this, okay? So y'all are sitting here with this great opportunity to say, from this day forward, I can choose whatever it is I want to do. And I truly believe like there's these two options that God gives us. You can either continue to allow Satan to still kill and destroy everything you hold dear, your family, yourself, your soul, your relationship with God, whatever it is. Or you can choose to be holy, choose to humble yourself, and then choose to follow God. He gives you this ability to live that abundant, full life that he has. But life is really all that we have on this earth. And I I truly believe that God wants us to experience life as it is meant to be. And the most satisfied, you talk about satisfaction. Um, You know, does anybody here wish they could make a little bit more money? Raise your hand. Yeah? Okay. I'm not going to tell you how to do that because I'm not quite sure. But here's what I know. Let's say you make $30,000 a year. $30,000 a year, you know what you're thinking? Man, it would be so nice to make $40,000 a year. $40,000. And then you get a raise. You make $40,000 a year. Do you know what we think when we make $40,000 a year? Oh, God, if only I could make $50,000. I need, I gotta have $50,000. I just can't exist without $50,000. And you make $50,000, and you know what you feel like? Oh, God, I need more. I need more. Here's the truth. It doesn't matter if you make 40, 50, 60, 70, 120, 200, $500,000. That does not ever satisfy you. It does not ever bring you satisfaction. We're all looking for satisfaction. We look for it in relationships. We look for it in careers. We look for it in, our, in the money that we have. We look for it uh, even, even on vacation. We look for satisfaction. But the truth is, the most satisfied you will ever be is when you're living life the way your Creator intended for you to live. Think about it. He set this whole thing up. He's the author of your life. He created you. And if, if He created you, and then He says, I came not only to give you life, but to give you life more abundantly. He wants you to experience life fully alive. He's the author of life the giver of life, the designer of life, and he knows exactly how to make it fulfilling, purposeful, and successful. But for some reason, I don't know why, and I don't know how, but sometimes we reason away what God tells us in His Word. We we think that maybe we know best, or hey, if I just have a little bit of sin, I'll be all right. I'll be okay. If I I just want to fit in. Listen, I'm telling you the best life you can have is when you say, I am not fitting in. I am going to thrive, not survive. I'm going to live fully alive, not get stuff stolen from me by the devil. I am going to stand where God has me to stand. I'm going to open his word and let it affect me and live in me. And I'm going to follow Christ. That is life that is fulfilling. That is life that satisfies. That is life that is purposeful. And that is the best life. So I ask you, Thrive Church, are you thriving or are you just surviving? I, I, I believe this, that God intends for your family to experience abundance in life. That's what, that's what Jesus said. It, it is possible 
for your children to experience abundance in life. It is possible for you to have what is described as the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All of these things that sound so good. We can have those things. Christ is offering those things, but Satan is trying to steal from us. We've got to decide to be holy. We've got to decide to humble ourselves. And then we've got to be hungry, seeking after the Lord. God intends for you to be free from your sin and have eternal life. And then beyond that, He intends for you to live with a clear conscience, with a clear purpose, and to be blessed and happy. Let me recap here. Be holy. You have an enemy who's looking to steal from you, kill your future, and destroy your life. Don't let him do it. Make a decision today to be holy. Be humble. Everything that Jesus has for you, this fully alive life, is on the other side of you humbling yourself. It may require that you today confess some things to God in prayer. It may require that you have a conversation with your spouse or somebody else. Confession is the way we humble ourselves. We admit that we're a sinner. And then be hungry. Never stop seeking God. He is the only one that brings true satisfaction in life.